0: Every now and then I like to open up the the pulpit to uh, where there is fruit, where we see fruit. And this family that's gonna come up, I believe have been some of the greatest fruit producers in the history of this church, at least since I've been here. And I've been here, how old are you, Rita? I'm sorry to do that, you're 20, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not gonna say. I've been here 23 years. And this family has continued to sow into this church to produce solid Christians, to produce people um, that love the Lord, and they they do it week in and week out without fail. Um, This family has served on our deacon board for two full terms. That's six years each, 12 years um, of serving you and serving this body, and uh, Cindy has a message for you this morning about baby Jesus, and I just want to welcome Burton and Cindy Putman. You guys, please give them a big round of applause.
1: She told me she was going first. What
2: do you do? I'll go first. Oh, I have my own mic. <laughs> All right. I'm Cindy Putman and I asked Burton this morning how long we have been a part of this church and he said twenty-five years. So that's a blessing to be a part of a body of believers for twenty-five years. And I look out and I see people that I have loved from the first moment I walked in this door, and then I've seen people that I've learned to love in the last, you know, few years or few months or even just in this last week. So I'm really glad you guys are here today. But I asked Burton to come up with me because he's got a little story to tell before I get started. And um It's about something really special. Tomorrow was a big red-letter day for the Putman family because tomorrow was the due date of our first grandchild.
1: So this year has been incredibly exciting. Um, This past Thursday, Cindy and I celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary and we had, thank you. And we had looked forward all year to this particular anniversary because we knew that our first granddaughter was gonna be born maybe on that day or on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or something else exciting. We didn't know that she decided to come seven weeks early on November the 4th, which had still been a great joy, but it's also been a journey. Um, She came very early Uh, On a Monday morning, November the 4th, uh, we were already in bed asleep. got to the hospital, and uh, she weighed four pounds and six ounces. She was tiny. In our family, we're pretty big when we come into the world, and we stay pretty big pretty much the rest of our lives. So this was kind of, I weighed 10-2, and I was my mother's first. My sister weighed 10-14. We just didn't have much familiarity with tiny babies but she was tiny and um her you could tell that her face was still going to form and her ears and her nose and but she was healthy um she stayed over at cookville for 10 days and we got to take take her to they got to take her home and uh, she was at home for six days and she got sick and we spent the next 14 days uh at Vanderbilt um Touch and go, quite a bit. Uh, She developed an infection, which is really, really dangerous for a a newborn. But God's healed her, and she's great, and she's about seven and a half pounds, and uh, she'll be seven weeks old tomorrow morning. And tomorrow's when she's due. (laughs) So I say all that to say the neatest thing, I think, about this whole journey is to have gotten to watch what God did for all of us while we were in our mother's womb for those last seven weeks. Uh, That's when your face developed, that's when your head was no longer cone-shaped and round and now she's got these big poofy cheeks and she had none. Uh, I told Cindy yesterday we were changing her diaper and I said, God bless those fluffy hips. (laughs) She said, you can't say that forever about her. But she's got, she's got fluffy hips now, but she didn't have those when she was little. And they're going to keep her in probably for the next, you know, three or four weeks um, just to keep her healthy. Uh, but she'll be here. You'll get to meet her. But that's been the neatest thing about it is uh, watching God transform her just like he does all of us during that last few weeks that we're in our inside our mother. And I wanted to also thank you guys. Your prayers have been overwhelming the visits the calls the gifts the meals we couldn't ever say thank you enough Uh, and we felt your love and we appreciate that so much so anytime she does this I have to end up up here doing something so I'm the mic is going here
2: and I'm I'm going to go sit down I have one
1: all right is that good did uh I do my
2: part you did your part yes okay All right, so to get started, I want you all to know that we all have one thing in common. Everyone sitting in this room, we were all born. All of you all entered this world through a birth canal or a C-section, one way or the other. And how many of you, by show of hands, know how much you weighed when you were born? Raise your hand if you know how much you weighed. Raise your hands big. Let me see. Okay, and for the rest of you guys, you guys can just make it up. Did I have anybody in this room that weighed less than four pounds when you were born? Anybody? Where are my five-pounders? Got a five-pounder. You weighed four. Lindsay weighed four. We've got a five-pounder. Where Some more five-pounders. Where are my six-pounders? Oh, Miss Kathy weighed five. Okay, here's our six-pounders. All right. Where's our seven-pounders? Okay, well, Elizabeth weighed seven pounds. Where's our eight-pounders? Oh, we got some eight-pounders. Any nine-pounders in the house? All right. You would be a Whitaker-Putman baby because though we have those big nine-pounders. Any ten-pounders? Burton was the ten-pounder. And what Burton failed to tell you is his mom probably didn't weigh 100 pounds. And she had these big babies. So you can tell at the Putman household... We have had babies on the brain. We are so smitten by this little granddaughter. We just drive to their house to watch her sleep. I mean, we don't have to hold her. We just sit and stare at her. We watch her breathe. Every time she drools, we're so excited. It's just like she drooled and then she pooped or she passed gas. And we're like, yes, everything is working the way it's supposed to be working. So what I would like to talk about today is what child is this? What child is this? And look at this beautiful little Jewish baby boy. Isn't that the sweetest face and those little dark eyes and dark hair? Because what we know is in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Bible is the story of God's plan to redeem His people. The Bible is the story of God's plan to redeem every one of us sitting in this room today. It reveals who he is, but as my friend Sarah Nelson would tell me and has taught me, it also reveals who I am in him. So it reveals who he is, but it reveals who I am in him. The whole of Scripture tells us the story of Jesus Christ, the ultimate expression of God's love for us. We know that in the beginning was the Word. And we know that in the beginning, when the Word was first spoken, when John refers to Jesus as the Word, he speaks of the Word that was made flesh and came to live among us. In the beginning was God's breath. And God's breath was with God. And God's breath was God. This Word manifested in the person of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the covenant God made with His people. Giving them and all who believe the promise of life with him, God's breath became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. God is not a God of coincidence or chaos, and Jesus was no coincidence. John's words show us that Jesus was with God in the beginning, he is God. One with God and the life he came to live on this earth was a part of a glorious plan from the very beginning of time. In Isaiah, in the King James Version, it says, "...for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given." And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. And from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we say at Christmas, what child is this? And we know the answer. We know the answer. It's been plainly revealed. And it is almost too wonderful to be true. God Himself has become man in this baby. God Himself has become man in this baby. Y'all look at our baby Ellie, and she's so tiny, and she's so totally dependent on us for everything to put clean clothes on her, to change her diaper, to feed her, to burp her, as Burton says, belch her. I belch the baby. I said, Burton, you do not belch babies. You burp babies. But we're learning. And I watched the excitement on her parents' face, the joy and the excitement, and also the stress and the concern when things did not go according to how all of us had planned. But God had another plan, and God's plans are always better than our plans So we know that God himself became a man in that baby to rescue us. The eternal word has become flesh, and that eternal word dwells among us. It is clear and certain, and all of us must say it with courage. And it is fitting that at times like this, at Christmas, we marvel and we declare in awe, what child really is this? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Even though few noticed His birth, Jesus didn't appear without warning. His coming was foretold centuries before He came. He wasn't just the King that we expected. He entered our world through a virgin whose very body was fashioned by the baby she was about to deliver. He entered the world through a virgin whose very body was fashioned by the baby she was about to to deliver. Jesus did not come as the king, we would have thought, in splendor, glory, and triumph, but as a helpless babe, sustained and nourished by an exhausted teenage girl. There was a long, cold road to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph's hardships would have begun more than a week before the birth of their son— when the couple, and historians and Bible scholars say that they think Mary was between 14 and 15 years old and Joseph anywhere between 17 and 20 years old, had to leave their home in Nazareth in the northern highlands of Galilee to register for a Roman census. It was 90 miles to the city of Joseph's ancestors. They had to go south along the flatlands of the Jordan River, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and on into Bethlehem, The trip was very much uphill and very much downhill. Today, after church, what if I said, oh, guys, I'm so excited. We're all going to get out in the parking lot. We're going to walk to Knoxville this afternoon wearing exactly what you have on. Let's just walk to Knoxville. I mean, think about it. Everybody's just so excited. You can't wait. Let's just walk to Knoxville. What would you all say? You've got to be kidding. That's impossible. That's a long way. I don't have the right shoes for it. You know, I, I had something else planned. And I know that we all have that beautiful image of Mary and Joseph etched in our mind riding on a donkey. But really and truly nowhere in the Bible does it say that she rode on a donkey. She probably walked. And she's young, and she's nine months pregnant, and anyone that's ever delivered a child knows that you really don't even want to walk around your house when you're starting getting, you know, close to that delivery time. So she was walking, and if they had a donkey, the donkey carried their supplies or the goods with them, so she had to walk. And there was not a paved road, and it was uphill and downhill. And oh, and by the way, the weather was not great. Sometimes it was 30 degrees during the day. There were lots of heavy rains that were falling, and sometimes It was freezing at night. Mary and Joseph, according to historians, would have worn heavy woolen cloaks constructed to shed rain and snow. Under their cloaks, long belts belted at the waist, two black socks and enclosed shoes to protect their feet. In the wineskins, they carried water and they carried a lot of bread. Breakfast would be dried bread. Lunch would be oil with bread and herbs with oil and bread in the evening. Now, they're walking, and it's 90 miles, and guess what? Normal walking pace, even with a camel or donkey, is 3 miles per hour. Some of y'all feel better because we might be able to walk to Knoxville if we could walk 3 miles per hour. So a traveler could usually walk between 17 and 24 miles each day. Those of you who delivered a child in your last month of pregnancy, did you want to walk between 17 and 24 miles a day? And when they arrived in Bethlehem, there was no place for them to stay. In many buildings that were called inns during that time, the family lived on the second floor and the animals that the lodgers brought with them, they were renting out rooms in their home, brought with them. Donkeys, camels, dogs, because when you're traveling through these forests in these areas, there were wild animals. So a lot of people travel with dogs or they travel with some animal that could protect them. So they brought those animals with them and they didn't want to leave them outside at night. So they brought them into the first floor of the house, the first floor of the house. And I love this. It said this provided heat for the family upstairs. Now, I'll just tell you guys, how many of y'all ever been in a barnyard? There is nothing about a barnyard that smells good. I said to Ron and Sarah, that's why they call them muck boots. You know, good Lord, you have this stuff on your feet. Anybody ever been barefoot in the summer and stepped on a warm pile out in the cow pasture? It's like, oh, Lord, You, you could wash your feet forever and you can't get that smell off. And once it gets in your nose, it stays there. But I want you to think about that. Think about the smell, the muck. Think about the fact that it was Stinky and crowded and not the cleanest place in the world, especially for a young mama to deliver. So I'm curious, did Mary swaddle Jesus in a feed sack? Did she bring the swaddling with her? Was that part of their preparation for the birth of this child? Did Joseph put his cloak on the floor for Mary to lay on? Did Joseph cut the umbilical cord? And what did he use to do that? And we won't even talk about the afterbirth because my son said he didn't get that far in the delivery classes. But he's like, what is that? Oh, yes, you know, I mean, this is, these were real people. These were real people going through what those of us who have had children have gone through. It's labor. That's why they call it labor because it is labor. Did Jesus latch immediately to nurse? Did Mary cry in joy or in the pain of labor? Were these moments the ones that Mary pondered in her heart for a lifetime? But this is what we know. Jesus came at just the right time. What did it mean for God to come to us? How far did he have to go to be one of us? What must God's Son have felt like? The infinite became an infant. Jesus was fully human, fully a baby, And as any parent of young children will tell you, that means he would have nursed regularly, cried, been fussy, had stinky diapers, and brought lots of joy and stress to the new parents. The all-knowing one became a babbling baby. As one song put it, the author author climbed inside the page. Jesus really was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. And as the message puts it, God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus came to us because we never would have come to him. He, we never could have come to him. Jesus came to us because we would never have come to him. We never could have come to him. But God didn't just come to us. He became one of us. Jesus was not only Emmanuel, God with us, he was us. God was made low so he could raise us up to eternal life and infinite joy. And as he sleeps upon the hay, he holds the moon and stars in place. Though born an infant, he remains the sovereign God of endless days. When Jesus became a baby, he lost nothing of his godness He was truly God and truly man in one person. Even as he slept soundly as a human, he was holding the universe together as God. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's a source of unending wonder that the God who brought the universe into being clothed himself in our own skin, or more precisely, He added human nature to his deity. God is great, not merely because he is sovereign and exalted above his creation, but because in unspeakable humility, he became a part of us. God took on a human nature so that he might die to destroy our enemies, deliver us from slavery to sin, and give us eternal life with him forever. When Jesus came to rescue us, he did not ride in on a horse, but he came in the arms of those who he came to save. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the True Prince of Peace."
3: Your baby boy would one day walk on water, Mary. Did you know that your baby boy would save your sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man Mary did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels try when you kiss your little baby Kiss the face of God, Mary. Did you know? Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will. will speak the praises of the land. Mary did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation Mary did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations did you know that your baby boy Was heaven's perfect land the sleeping child you're holding is a great I am.
0: that awesome we are so blessed amen we're so blessed in this church with what God has given us Um, if y'all would just uh, pray with me for just a minute I'm just going to speak to you for just a second this baby that came Jesus came as a man to be able to relate to you personally he came to relate to you personally Father God gave his one and only son so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This Christmas time is a is a time of God giving everything to us. And he gave us the best thing. He gave us his son. He gave us something that we would never be willing to give. He gave us everything. So I just say to you right now: You may sit here, and you may have never made that first time, that first step toward the Lord. And that step is such a—I want to say—an easy step. It's not easy, but it is easy. God made it easy. In that, what He's saying is He He says, "I have a gift for you." Would you just receive it? Would you just receive my son? And in you receiving my son, I give you everything. I give you forgiveness. I give you redemption. I give you restoration. I give you my son's spirit that will never leave you or forsake you. I give you hope and peace and a future. And in that gift, he says, I promise you, I will never leave you. And I will be with you until the end. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I've just stepped away. And you know what the Lord says? He says, that's okay. I'm a God of second chances. I told you I'd never leave you. Even if you left me, I'd never leave you. I am with you. I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. So if you just bow your heads for just a moment, would you either for the first time receive Christ and just say, Lord Jesus, I receive you. Or maybe if you've stepped away, say, Lord God, I come back to you. He, put this image in your mind. He is a good father with his arms open wide for you. He's been looking for you, he's been waiting for you. It has been his plan for you to come to him. Right where you sit. To say, Lord Jesus, I come back. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were born by Mary, a virgin birth, that you came in the flesh, but you came as God, and you died on a cross because I deserved death. But Lord Jesus, you give me life, and I receive it. I receive you this morning, Jesus, because you are my God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen.